Welcome, Mr. Martin Frost. Today we have a very special guest, uh, international soloist, one of the best clarinetists, you know, ever. And I highly look up to you growing up, listen to a bunch of your recordings. So yeah, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Okay, so let's start with, um, you know, when how, how did you pick the clarinet when you were young, when you first started, and how did you eventually maneuver to this solo career? I grew up in the north part of Sweden. Where, where you come from is quite interesting because it's, it's, I think it affects your whole life, not only geographical where you came from, but the musical experience in the early age, early age, I think it's important for your taste for the way you are making music and the instrument you are choosing. And uh, also, I think one game that I did a lot quite recently is is going back to the sources why you started to play in the first place. And I think also my latest recording, The the Night Passages, is is a... I I wrote a very different booklet in that uh, that album. And the the booklet is about... uh, stories that has affected me and the musical memories that has affected me that i think has affected me from childhood to the 20s how old are you i'm 21 21 so from from i was born until 21 all my musical memories in this time the latest memory is my first performance in carnegie hall and my earliest memory is before i was born what i think I have a memory of what my mother sang before I was born. So all these memories affect what you're doing later in life, I think. You know, the, the, the way you look at music and the way you feel joy. Some, some, it's like this, the, the, the taste or the smell, you know, you have memories from your childhood that really affects you in a certain way. Uh, so my start was up in the North Spas of Sweden. I started to play the violin, uh, which I was not so good at. And I continued to play football and basketball. And then at the age of 10, 11, I think, or maybe a little bit later, even, but around 10, 11, I discovered Mozart clarinet concert. I had a good recording. My father came with a recording of my Academy St. Martin in the Fields and Jack Brimer. And I listened to it and I was mesmerized by the music and also by the performance, mostly about music, I think. And I got this clarinet, which I didn't know anything about, but I started to practice, and I started to practice the slow movement of the Mozart concerto quite quite quickly. And um, when you first started, how many hours were you practicing a day? Because I've heard some... Okay, here's the confirmation question. I've heard some rumors, right, that you were practicing about eight hours a day when you were younger, about my age. Uh, was, that, was that true or no? No, no, I know. <laughs> well, you know, how, how much your practice... I'm not sure if it's, if, if it's, well, of course it's relevant, but I think it's how you practice and also the way into learning. For example, I, I always had an impression that I had a different style or a different method of, of, of um, learning how, well, into music than other people had. Maybe, maybe not all people, but I learn things that was quite new in my time, like double tonguing and circular breathing. And, and not so many people did these things in this, back in the 80s and so on, uh, or even earlier. But I always learn technical things, sound things, because of a reason that I need it. So if I play the Bach uh, invention or something like that, I learned circular breathing and I played the modern music that I, I needed, the double tongue, I learned the double tongue. 
And I was never any good, actually, on, on the thing that you, you asked of uh, practice like six hours a day. But what I was quite good, my strength, strengths, I think, was that I could feel if I step up on another level and felt I, this I haven't heard before or this sound, I could recognize a different anything because I was so self-critic. And I think my strength was maybe in small moments I can feel, oh, I went a little bit better here. I'm not so bad as I thought. And then my, my, my ear went bigger. Uh, and I think my, my, my teacher in Germany, Hans Deinze, was very good at this because he always said every single lesson when we start working on something, he asked me always, did you hear that? Did you feel it? That you, you some, in some way developed something yourself. Um, so that is how I practice. I mean, not so much standing and learn something just because of the learning uh, Interesting. So what do you do every day now in, you know, with the busy schedule with very limited amount of time, do you just practice whenever you have time or how, how, how do you practice? Yeah, I, I practice, I still practice a lot because I'm 52 now and you know, things get, doesn't get easier, but it, it's changing. And I think to keep what's you and to keep what's your, way of making music and even to develop i think you have to work a lot uh, and something's getting easier i think because what gets easier is for example wait a minute what, what did i think of just the other day you have easier to be yourself and you are not so full of this adrenaline that was a bit too much. I always thought that I had too much adrenaline. And when I listen to myself, when I listen to my recordings, I feel they are a bit too feverish sometimes for my own taste. But the good thing is you can always hear that it's me because it's uh, vibrating, but it's a little bit over the top, I would say, sometimes. And it was the same thing with the concerts. When I play, I added so much energy and it was so much on life and death when I did something that it was almost not for my good. And I always thought if you can just calm down, you will play better. That's for my my own therapy. But the thing is, when you get older, you calm down. So I have a wish or I have a uh, a view that I'm, if I can, if I'm going to live until I'm 80 and if I can still play the clarinet, I, I will be pretty calm and, and, you know, I will enjoy it still. Even maybe even more. I will enjoy it even more. So that's my, my hope, so to say. Interesting. Would you say, because you said you were just running right before this interview, um, and I knew you took a break for a while for physical things. And then you did, you started running again. You focused more on exercising. Would you say that helped a lot about your performance or that's like a necessary thing to do at this point? I didn't really take a break. You know, I have, I have still a, a disease called Meniere disease right. and that goes in episodes. So, so my, Biggest episode so far came uh, during my during the pandemic. So when I didn't have any concert, I got a, a big episode of Meniere, which is then you lose your hearing and uh, the whole world is turning around in, in vertical uh, every second day or so for hours. And that's not dizziness; it's more than dizziness. It's just you know the whole world is just going around very very quick, quick, quickly. So you're throwing up for six hours and then you get well for one day and then it comes back. So that was a hard time for me. That's around six months. So that was a break, of course, if you call right. it a break. Right. But I think what I did, and you get very motivated if you get a physical, all the people who have some physical or have a disease or whatever they have, they get really motivated to change their life 
to the better. And of course, I did it nothing strange. I stopped with alcohol. Uh, I start running. I start meditating, and I stop. I have no tolerance for stress. I never stress. I would say, and um, I have some, you know, other health things that I'm doing that I tr think helps me. And I'm not sure if it does or not, but because I still get the episode now and then, but they are handable and I don't cancel concerts. I try to live with it and it, it gives me a better, you know, a better life and a better way of handling all the, not only the creativity, but, but the, the, the life that we are living in. I, I could actually, I think in the future, I will probably speak a bit more about it and, and try to help other people because we are living in the same world and, and it's right now it's crazy anyway. And it's, broken i would say the word with all the wars and the pandemics and the and the climate crisis and everything we are living in right now so i think we should share ideas not only musical ideas because the young generation like you are living in and even older than you so between 20 and 30 something like that they facing a different future now but but i'm very curious how we should move on i think we should rethink what we are doing a bit mm. uh, not well, I'm not. I'm very curious how, how you look on your future, of course, and, and and this is your your pod. This is your pod. Yeah, my yeah this is my podcast. Yeah, I my story comes with this. You know, I I studied with Yudi Gilad in high school for about two years. Mm -hmm. um, went to this, you know, arts academy, and I was I was very on the track of, you know, I didn't want to fully commit to a performance career, but so I auditioned and then got into some music school, but I ultimately chose a university, Northwestern. That's where I'm studying right now. And I started with a due degree. <laughs> so music and economics. And that was, for me, way too much work because I have many different projects on the side, like this one. I mm -hmm. also have like a nonprofit service that I help you know music students get into music school with scholarships. And then I'm also running a startup on the side. So like those are too many things on the table. So I eventually uh, stopped uh, playing for a while. I'm recently coming back to it though. And then, you know, going for more of the entrepreneurial business side of music. And then I think I made that decision after the pandemic. If it was mm -hmm. before the pandemic, I would have stick with it, you know? Yeah. And then- and Lots of people make changes. Right. Changes. So yeah. I, I'm very curious to hear your your opinions on how- this pandemic probably perhaps would affect the music industry and how it affected you. And then yeah, just talk a little bit more about that. One advice that I would give people in general uh, is what I have done. Actually, I always thought that being selective and, and really do the things because in the beginning of the career, I see still that people are trying to survive and therefore they, you know, bite on everything and try to please a lot of people and try to make a career and try to travel around and play all over the place and so on. And I'm, I, I would say I may be the person in the whole world who has traveled so many years for, for uh, not only in certain regions, like I was all over the place. Uh, a lot, I mean, if you compare it to other clarinet players, for example. So I was a lot in the States and a lot in the Asia and in New Europe, of course, and uh, Australia a couple of times and so on. I always was selective and I took risks being selective. 
And I think that right is the right way. So I will encourage people to really take the risk to do what you want. Play the music that you, you really want to think that they have something to say. And if you do a first performance, you should ask a composer that you really think has something to say. And also amount of concerts, I would say also... Not too too much. I understand if you have a great capacity, what you obviously have with a lot of, of, of different things you're doing. But in the same time, I would say that uh, people are trying too hard on too many things. Mm-hmm. And um, to really go deep in something, you should make... If you look in the history, like this big artist like Charlie Chaplin or, or Picasso or Stravinsky... Even if they were artistic, musical cannibals, they, they could take everything and, and did it great. They were basically having limitation and they used their limitation to, to do something great with the little small thing that they had. Mm. Interesting. More than now, because now you have to cover so many things. And, and the social media or the digital world that's coming is also demand something from you that, that is, is quite heavy to 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 really please the whole system now and i think go for the smaller thing go for your thing it's better because otherwise you will you will drown and you will also be less personal uh, in the way that you perform and you can hear it also recording that people are doubting more on their own unique way of uh, being a musician and you know great let's talk about your most recent creative project, you know, just release a new project. And then I'm also curious to know a little bit of the relationship you have with Sony recording. How's that been like? Yeah, just talk more about uh, the creative things you do. Well, the last recording that I did on Sony was came out now in, in a couple of weeks ago. Right. And that was a different recording, very, you know, very, in one way, quite personal, but it's, it's, um, it's the least classical I've done because I took mm. musical memories from all kinds of of um, genres and, and also uh, doesn't have to do with the genre because it was folk music and jazz and I took Miles Davis tune. This um, It never entered my mind. I took a tune that I discovered um, through Benny Goodman, uh, The Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, Baroque music and stuff like that. But it has to do with musical memory. So it, and I did it as a small trio, just with double bass, piano, clarinet, and uh, it was fun to do. And it was different, and, and I really liked it. And I, I also like to work with these kind of other musicians, like my bass player is in my orchestra, in, in the Swedish chamber orchestra, and he's such a genius. And of course, he learned me a lot about this genre, like jazz and folk music. Um, and now we are planning to release, because also we recorded, during the pandemic, we recorded uh, two big Mozart projects. So I'm coming up with a Mozart Trenet Concerto Symphony, Prague Symphony, and uh, also the Parto Parto from Clemenza de Tito with uh, Anne, mm-hmm. Anne Hallenbay. Uh, so I do do this recording again for the third time, Mozart Concerto, but in another context, because it's a Prague, sort of the Prague uh, journey we call it so it's the music uh, played in Prague uh, and then we ha- have also the Leipzig with the 41st symphony and the piano concerto and uh, so on so we're doing lots of Mozart on Sony with my orchestra Swedish chamber orchestra so that's the two upcoming recording 
And then I have Wilder Project again after that. But I like the mix and I like also Sony for being so flexible that they, they are really supporting me in these different thoughts around what you should do with your clarinet. Mm. I'm happy about that. So you have full control of what you want to do, what you want to release, things like that. Yeah, I would, I would say that, yeah. I mean, it's a collaboration. Sometimes you should never think that you are the smartest, smartest in the room, I think, always. So you, you should listen what they think. And, and they have came up with some very nice ideas. For example, the Vivaldi recording is not my idea from the start. Mm. That was completely Sony's idea, together with Andreas Tarkman, who is the right. creator of the concertos. But in... Back then, I, I, I can't remember what I thought, but now I, I really love that I did this because it I learned me. It taught me a lot about my playing, uh, playing on the boxwood, uh, playing different repertoire, the baroque. It was a fantastic journey for me. I do a lot of things also for educational reason. I think because I, mm. I learned still so much from my different journeys. And, and the latest project that I did was this Exodus, which was about where do we go from now and the way out from here the way out exodus is you know from the bible the way out from the and i had a lot of repertoire from that in the project but i was also collaborating with the artist that was painting at the same time jesper waldstein and uh, we're going to take it abroad and they have recorded and and it was also an important journey for me interesting where does all of this creativity come from you know does it just spark you in the head or do you do certain things to inspire yourself or or I'm I'm curious because I think you're probably the most creative clarinetist uh right now. I admire when you look or you listen to musician that is creative in the world right now. There are a few, I think, and they are I, I I'm very inspired by them, but I also mm -hmm. think that you should always think that you are not so lonely when it comes to uh, being creative and I, what I mean by that is the greatest idea that you will ever have is not the idea that you get yourself I think you should mm. always share and always talk to people that you admire and um, try to meet up with, with people that you think can give some you know some spice to your own creativity and then collaborate so I, I always thought of my project that I'm I'm in the middle of a teamwork mm -hmm. even if it's me who play and me who conducts and talks also from stage it's not me who develop them totally I always have people around me that that I really enjoy and that's maybe the most uh, uh, inspiring thing for me inspiring for being there in the middle of the creative process is the most inspiring thing that I know maybe even more than uh, playing a concert or, or I, I really love to 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 create something create something new and or to work with a composer and to feel like okay we are going in a new direction here my god this is so exciting and I think that's never alone you always do it with someone else interesting always about collaboration Okay, great. Uh, last question I have here, um, circling back to, you know, some tips for, I guess, people in my age. So what are some tips you have in terms of winning competitions? And um, because it's really hard. My experience, my journey through competition is I haven't won lots of competition. I've done, I think I've done one or maybe two, but a smaller competition 
in Scandinavia and then Geneva. And I had the first prize in Geneva competition, which meant a lot for me. So it was important for me, really right. important. Um, but then after some years, I was in the jury in lots of competition. And the, and the nice thing in the jury was I met a lot of colleagues in the jury. Uh, and but I didn't like it because I didn't like for me it was I didn't enjoy the the fact that you feel important and not only me the whole jury you feel important because you are judging someone else I don't like that I don't mm, like to feel important because I, I I should say that you are not good and you are good or I don't like that position I like to share things I like to encourage people to to develop themselves but I didn't like and I, I certainly didn't like it then. To sit mm. down and say, you, you are not so good. You have problems. You are too nervous. You are not good technique. You have no personality. I don't like that system. In then I, I didn't feel comfortable. And I was struggling myself. I was 28 years old. So I, want, I wanted to educate myself on being better. I don't want to say to other people that they were not good enough. Um, and I still don't think it's it's a good way, it's a good path to, to feel. Maybe that's the most negative part of being a teacher. Having said that, I said I'm not a teacher, so I shouldn't say too much about it. But the negative part is that you feel your, your own important feeling, that you are important because someone else play good. And I don't think that works. I don't think you are. I would never say that I am important because I help someone else. I'm very proud and very happy for them. But they are good because they are good. Mm. The same, you know, same thing with agents. They can help you, but they can't, you know, you are you. And you should be proud of your unique way of doing things in the world and try to help other people. And um, in, the, in, in the latest, my latest experience that I was, uh, that I am musical advice or artistic advisor for the Nielsen competition, I also said that I don't want to be a part of the jury. I, I was there in the final, but I, I didn't vote because I also said that I'm not going to vote because I haven't heard these people for more than the final. Mm. And um, But what I heard was the pre-selection, and I was very, very happy with the level because the level is very, very high, and it's very even. But maybe nowadays, because of the situation with YouTubes and all the digital activities, they have a, a, a very even level, but you have a feeling that they have listened to a lot of things. So they play sort of in the same area. And you're not sure if they really study the piece a lot or if they look and listen to the piece a lot for performance that they admire. Sometimes I have the feeling that they are a bit more copying nowadays um, than when I grew up. Um, and it's nothing wrong with listening to a lot of people. I also listen to a lot of music as a conductor, for example. I listen through a lot of symphonies and so on, so I'm also affected. What was standing out for the few that I think, because I think it was some quite rare, but it is uh, people who are standing out as uh, something special. I mean, if you simplified it, I would say people that can really shape things and can use and can speak with all your tools that you have, basically breathing, uh, sound colors, tongue, the way you can articulate and all these things. When you can use all these tools, 
in a fantastic way to get out what you wanted to say. And it doesn't matter if you're a violin player who can speak when all the details, when the bowing things and the pressure of the bow or the fingerings or whatever, or you have a fantastic jazz trombonist who can articulate and speak. I have a friend who plays the trombone, Nisse Langren, a jazz trombonist who is extremely good at this small talking and, and you can feel that he can, or, or a folk musicians or, or, you know, Kletzmer clarinet player who can cry and laugh and whisper in his instrument. And you can learn from these people, I think. And as a clarinet player in the classical field, I think we should also u- use all these tools to express ourselves. Very interesting. Fantastic. And that's why I do different genre. I, I, you were mentioning Kletzmer. Of course, I do also Kletzmer for educational reason. I am, I'm, I, mm definitely know that I'm not a, a Kletzmer clarinet player in a, in a sense that, you know, I was brought up in a classical musical family and I heard Giora Feidman when I was 14. Right. Right. And I didn't know that it was him. It was just Israeli clarinet player on a cassette tape. And I put it in and I was, I thought that this, I have never heard any, anything like it. And of course, it's great to be inspired from different fields. It's very important. Yeah, I think you 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 really make Klezmer approachable because that's when I first heard Klezmer was actually through your encore. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's my first time hearing it. I think, oh wow, never heard anything like that. But uh, yeah, but that's yeah. that's an, that's another story because then I transpose what I heard when I was thirteen, fourteen. Right, and I would say my Klezmer is more, you know. Paganini meets Kleshman because I put so many ad, uh, ornaments in it, of course. But right. I, I tell you an interesting story. Sure. When I did this first, when I did it, I did it a lot in America first, and in New York I did it a lot. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly when I came home from a travel, the telephone was ringing, and and, and the, the voice says, you can't believe who, who, is, who is calling you. And and no, I don't know. And it's Giora Feidman, he said. Oh wow! And and he, we talked for an hour, and I didn't know him at all. And he was very, very. It was a very nice conversation, and I was very happy that he could have been, you know, he could have disliked what I did, but he was very supportive. Hmm. And uh, he was very soulful, of course. And 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 I like I like this supporting that he did I think was something that I carry with me also from my teachers and from the colleagues that I have that we are supporting not because we want to feel good about ourselves or or not only really to try to help each other because we want to develop the musical world and that's Mm -hmm. how you do it Mm. okay I may, I may have played some Kletzmer that you heard but you are never going to do it as I did you're going to do it mm. your way well, that's the beauty of that yeah I really appreciate that recording you know uh, or you know all the videos actually on YouTube that I've heard you play that it, it definitely gave me a lot of inspiration and made me think okay I can play clarinet a different way <laughs> than, <laughs> than you know classical but <laughs> last thing and then we will wrap up if you give let's say three pieces of most important advice to people my age, college or younger, uh, musicians or not, uh, what would you say? Give you three short advice. Being good or trying to learn a clarinet, how to, to play the clarinet is taking time. 
I think it takes time. So, and nowadays you have always the problem with so many things interfering and, and, and make concurrence with your time. And it's no shortcut to being a great clarinet player. So you have really to sit down and learn how to do it. And mm. I think people are so, so you know, split-minded nowadays. And the concentration is shorter for, by definition, I'm sure, because you always look on your phone and you do things. And, and to be good, you have to sit down for hours and learn how to play and learn how to listen. Basically, listening is the most important. And I think that takes time. So make sure you are not posting on Instagram every single day. Just to learn the clarinet, to play the clarinet first. And um, second advice would be then enjoy what you are doing. In, try to find ways of enjoying because the getting inspired by what you're doing, the music and everything, is the most important thing. And I, I should have given myself that advice when I was younger. And um, the third advice would be practice a lot slow because that gives you good ears. It's not, it's not so difficult to play fast. It's difficult to play slow and get all the details with you. If you can do that slow, you can do it fast. That's my experience. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you so much for your time. It's an honor. Thank you.